This is the Horse Radio Network. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. Well, good Monday, everybody. I am Glenn the Geek from Ocala, Florida. And I'm Jamie Jennings in Norman, Oklahoma. You're listening to Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for June 27th, episode 2961, brought to you today by the World Equestrian Center. Good morning, horsey friends. I have good news and bad news for you on this Monday morning. First, the bad. It's Monday. But the good news is really good. Jamie and Glenn are here to guide you through another week filled with horse talk and a whole lot of fun. Welcome to Horses in the Morning. Well, coming up on today's show, we have Beyond the Ribbons Spotlight rider Charlotte Merrill Smith is joining us. She's been to a couple of things since we talked to her last, including a... a uh, a very important show in Tryon she's going to tell us about. Plus, uh, the Congress is making progress on horse welfare. We'll chat about that. Jamie's going to help us. I've had a couple of listeners ask, can I get my horses trained up for fireworks in a week? So we're going to talk about that and what you have to do to desensitize your horses to fireworks. Uh, and also, we have some equestrian first world problems. And in the Auditor Post show, we're going to talk about first jobs. I had the auditors post what their first jobs were, uh, you know, first real paying jobs. And we're going to determine whether Jamie and I could actually do those jobs. So that's coming up in These are not show. salaried jobs, right? No, these, these are, are hourly. Hourly jobs, oh, like when you were in high school, usually for most of us. So we'll chat. I don't even know what your first job was, so we'll talk about that too. Well, there were two critical votes in the House on horse protection bills last week. Uh, the subcommittee on, get this name, the subcommittee on consumer protection and commerce and the House Energy Co and Commerce Committee voted on legislation to ban soaring in the Tennessee walking horse industry and slaughter of horses for humane, human consumption. The two measures uh, are, are what we've been fighting for for all this time, and they were voted and approved to leave committee, which means, as best I can tell, they go to the Congress now, they go to the House for a vote. So the first one was the All Soaring Act, the Past Act, which we've talked about, which would basically ban soaring. And then the second one was would produce a permanent ban on domestic slaughter of horses for food and prohibit their shipment abroad for that purpose. So both of those head to the House right now. Uh, we'll see. I mean, they'll get through the House because one of these, the SAFE Act got through the, or the PAST Act got through the House already once before in 2019, never got brought up in the Senate. So it's going to be in the Senate that's the question. The president will sign whatever. But uh, the Senate is where there's going to be a question on whether these get through. But there's better hope now than there ever has been in the past that these will happen. So keep your fingers crossed. This kind of ties into something I saw, uh, uh, I think it was in Horse and Hound. The World Horse Welfare uh, Organization commissioned an independent survey of the general public and their perception of horse sport. And the findings were exactly what Jamie and I have been saying for 12 years, that if we don't address the issues in horse sport, we're going to have a problem. 20% of people do not support the continued involvement of horses in sport of any kind. 20%. 40% only support horse sport if welfare is improved. 
So that means that 60% have a problem with horses being used in sport. Wait, 20, no, it says 20 people do not support right. the continued involvement. But 40% only support horse sport if welfare is improved. So, so unless, 60% say they're fine. Well, 40% say they're fine. So 40 and 20 is 60. So 60% of the people have a problem unless we improve it. And only 40% say they're fine. So, you know, it's it's amazing. I do post things online, you know, the training and stuff, and I have had one particular person who was like telling me that I'm cruel because I use bits and because I have horses that come into stalls at times and that like the, the this crazy and the, the horses should have the right to say no because they need body autonomy and they need control of their own body. And I was like Cool. Um, so like when my horse starts paying to shoe itself and paying to feed <laughs> itself and like actually scooping the grain for it and like doing that, then cleaning horse, his own stall. <laughs> yeah, clean your own stall. Then you can do whatever you want. As of now, I only ask for yeah, like but an those hour. Those same people don't believe we should have dogs and cats or fish either. So that's true. I, I mean, That's they're true. the same people. But this is a high number, and you know, it is a cause for concern. It's what we've been saying all along. I wonder if we had done this the survey twelve years ago, what it have been? And it's what we keep saying: we have to improve. If you know, yeah. if. If people's perception, whether right or wrong, it's perception is reality, right? I so. went to one type of show in Arizona, uh, a particular breed show, and I was shocked at some of the things people were doing to their horses. Well, so I, you I, see I, it here with lunging. An hour and a half, they'll be out there lunging the horse in the heat oh, before the God. show. An hour and a half, you know, just round and round and round and round and round and round and round, round, round. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and it's not any one discipline. You know, that's... That's a misnomer too. We've said it all along here. Yeah. Every discipline has has their their characters that are a problem, right? It's true of every discipline that has trainers that are a problem. They have riders that are. A pro- it doesn't matter the discipline. We just all have to do better. Or this number is going to be eighty percent, and then we will have a problem, yeah. right? The, so. the, you know who you are, you people. They're not listening to this show, though. Our listeners so welcome are awesome. To, welcome to a fun Monday morning, everybody. Hey, let's <laughs> light it up. Do daily winnies. Let's go. All right, daily winnies. a bunch of birthdays right now, especially our auditors, Jill Eckes, uh, Bronica Moore, Brooklyn Smithson, Aaron King, and our favorite announcer friend, John Kyle's birthday as well. So yes. happy birthday to all of you. Speaking of amazing equestrian sports the hickstead derby took place over the weekend and if y'all don't know what the hickstead derby is please google it but congratulations to ireland's shane breen he won the hickstead derby over the weekend and not only did he win it he came in first and second (laughs) so i mean amazing this is the one with the great big bank with the big bank and all these jumps in the water and they're like fences. And there's like, I mean, it looks like a five foot bounce, which is a jump one stride jump, I guess, in and out. It's, it's ridiculous. And it is, it has got to be one of the toughest things ever. So he won on a stallion, a 16 year old Holsteiner stallion. Um, I'm sorry. Let's see. 
Yeah, so he won on the stallion, Can Yamakin, and then the, the, the horse he came in second place was just amazing as well. I think had like one fault in the whole entire thing, Golden Hawk. So anyways, very cool. If you haven't seen that, please go look at it. Google Hickstead because it's ridiculous. We're going to try to get Victoria Spicer on who works with Hickstead. She comes on with us from England to tell us about it. And it was just awesome. Awesome. So that runs for a couple of weeks, right? It's not just one weekend. I think it's a couple of weeks show. It's a pretty big event. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, what's really cool actually is that one of the other Hickstead challenges, three people tied. Okay. And instead of doing a jump off, all the people were like, you know what? We're just going to share first place because we want to save our horses. Like talk about good horsemanship. I mean, come on. You know what? We'll just tie. Yeah. Okay. Sounds good. It's just awesome. So anyway, Hickstead Derby, Google it, YouTube it. So did you see that the Queen's horse uh, won the Supreme title at Hickstead? That's so cool. I don't know what the Supreme title is, so I didn't cover it. I don't know what they do in the Supreme title, but I do know what they do in the Derby, and it's bad, eh? Yeah, so uh, it being her Jubilee year, it's kind of cool that one of her horses won the Supreme. Yay. Whatever the Supreme title is, we'll have to get her to explain that, too. That whole uh, Jubilee thing, do you know that none of us, nor our children, will ever see another Jubilee like we just had? I mean, never. I mean, it can't happen. True. Like it's a, it's like a couple. Yeah, Charles is like away. eighty already, so he's not going to yeah. reign for seventy years. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> yeah, it's crazy. It's, it's what what an what an accomplishment. Sorry. Anyway, love the queen. <laughs> love her. All right, let's talk about firework time. So I saw that uh, uh, Jessica posted in the audit room. She won't mind me post- saying this. She was taking a lesson the other day in a ring, and all of a sudden, firecrackers from the neighboring property start to go off. This was in the middle of the day. Mm. And her horse bolts, God. you know, uh, because it is kind of expected in the middle of the day, or unexpected in the middle of the day, you know, on a random day. It's like a bomb going off. Yeah, so uh, her horse bolted. She managed to get it back under control and all was fine. But uh, then then the neighbors proceeded to do another round, and she said they could clearly see our ring. Oh, God. People are idiots. They're just idiots. That sucks. <laughs> so. You're in Florida, a bunch of rednecks. Watch this. Hey, y'all, watch this. Oh, you have your share in Oklahoma. <laughs> Oh, yeah. And that is, it's crazy. So, so this technique is something that I think. Well, first question out. is do they have time to do this in one yeah, week? Yeah, yeah, yeah. You got time. You got time. But you got to get started. Today, today is July 4th, which yeah, means you, this weekend's going to be a nightmare. So, I learned this not by trying to do it, I learned this by mistake. All right. So, I had my makeover horse, Groot, lost my way, was my makeover horse. And I wanted to. I decided I was going to shoot bows and arrows from him. Like I'm not an archer. I don't know how to do this, but then I was like, okay, great. Now I can shoot bows and arrows from him. How can I make this harder? I was like, you know, it'd be really cool is if I could shoot bows and arrows from his back while I was standing on him and popping balloons on the target. Like who would think of something like that? I don't know. I just was bored, I guess. So I just moved to Oklahoma. I was bored. I did a death wish. So I decided to like start teaching. I'm like, how can I get this horse to let me pop balloons from standing on his back and shooting the arrow? Hmm. Okay. So what I did was I would feed him 
his grain and all the horses come up and they all get their grain at the same time. And then I stood kind of in the middle of the barn aisle, not right next to him. And I would blow up a balloon and pop it, which is cringy, but you got to do it. And then you, while they're eating and then they, they're like, holy crap. And they pin themselves against the back wall. Like, oh my God. Oh wait, I'm still alive. Nothing happened. Okay. Well, I'm going to go back and eat my food now. So they go back home and ready to eat their food and pop. And oh my God. Well, guess what? After about five of those, they don't flinch anymore because they've realized that nothing happens. So I was like, I'm going to now take the target and attach the balloons to the target and shoot them in the barn aisle while the horses are off to the side eating their grain. Thank God I was at least good enough to get it somewhat straight. So I'd pop the balloons while they were eating and I would shoot them. And this was going to be my first 4th of July in Oklahoma. And when I lived in Arizona, people went crazy with the fireworks and the horses would just lose their mind. And so I'd always lock them up and it was just crazy. And so uh, I didn't really know. I'm kind of on a farm. I didn't know how they were going to be here. So anyway, I'm still training this horse to pop balloons while he's eating. And after about three days, I'm popping balloons and nobody cares. They don't even stop eating. Again, pop it, pop it. You know, once they go back to eating their food and they're like, oh, I didn't die. Okay, cool. And so I started doing that. And then July 4th came and I was like, eh, it'll be fine. Like I'm in the middle of nowhere. Who's going to shoot off fireworks? (laughs) But you are in the middle of nowhere, Oklahoma. I know. I did not plan on every redneck in the I don't know, surrounding 100 miles. Well, do you have a tent with fireworks being sold on every corner like here in Florida? Well, I, yes. Now I realize that. I don't know why I didn't know. I just didn't notice. Anyway, so I'm sitting on my porch and the fireworks start going off. And I was like, oh God, we got to bring in the horses. They're going to run through the fences. And by the time it took me to walk from the house all the way to the barn, I've, no, nobody, nobody's even looking up. Like they don't, they don't care. Like there's no flinching. I actually took video last year of one of my horses, Drax, standing underneath fireworks grazing as they're going off above him in the distance. That horse has never seen fireworks. I cannot shoot bows and arrows from his back. I've never tried. But the fact that I was popping balloons in the barn affected all of the horses. And they all of a sudden, an explosion directly next to their face is a lot worse than an explosion off in the distance. And all of a sudden I was like, oh my God, they don't care. Why don't they care about the fireworks? (gasps) It's the balloons I've been popping in the barn. I'm a genius. Wait, I'm not a genius because I didn't mean to do that. (laughs) It's just secondary. So you guys that board at facilities. Well, I was just going to say, if you're bored, make sure you ask. You got it. Yeah. Talk to them first. Be like, hey, I've got this idea. You can claim it as your own. And I've heard this works and maybe, you know, it might help your horse too. And some people might be like, no, don't do that. Well, then you can know that they're an idiot. So anyway, uh, feed the horses, stay in the middle of the barn blow up a balloon, pop it. And now I'm like to the point where I like blow up a balloon, pop it, walk down to the next horse. And I will literally stand right outside their stall where their head is in the bucket right in front of me and blow it up and pop it. And if anybody reacts, you're my target for the day. And so all of them are hearing it. And then I may focus on being closer to one, but 
if you can pop a balloon in a horse's face and they don't care, a firework is going to be no big deal. And again, I'm, I was just, I'm just as shocked as you are that it works, but you got to, you got to get to work because it's the 27th and we got to yeah, well, start this weekend. Guaranteed Friday, yeah, Saturday, it, Sunday, Monday night. It'll be four days this weekend is when it's going to happen. It's Monday. So, you know, if you've already, they've already been fed this morning, do it tonight, you know, feed yeah. them a couple of times a day. And that's what I'm doing now is I started this morning because I have two new horses in the barn and they haven't had the the training. So what's really cool now is that some of the other, like Duke, 29 years old, he, you thought I you would have thought I was lighting a fire on his tail. Like he was so scared. And now he's like, I don't care. Nobody cares. Like my three. Well, now he can't don't hear care. anymore. So. <laughs> <laughs> Probably. He hasn't, he doesn't care at all. You know, what's funny is my Jack Russell, who is about 112 years old. He gets so anxious when you start popping the and and you pop the balloon and when it pops it kind of like splatters so you have to pick up all the pieces but he will attack any piece of balloon that hits the ground like <laughs> oh I'll kill it I'm like i already killed it you're just collecting it for me thank you uh, <laughs> so just beware of the dogs that are around and the other animals and the other humans let them know you're going to do it but it it's it's crazy how effective it was and again i i didn't mean to figure that out it just happened and it was just a result of all of that See, we we had it uh, different here in Florida when we moved here because the farm we were at when we moved here and for eight years had a gun range on the farm. Oh, yeah. So they get used to, you know, after about an hour of uh, hearing guns go off, they're just like, oh, well. <laughs> so no, I didn't die. They're okay. not, they don't, they don't even flinch anymore at all. I mean, I could shoot the shotgun in there and they wouldn't flinch. It's just they didn't care anymore. They, yeah. they got really immune really quick. <laughs> so, uh, Well, horses don't want to expend any extra energy if they don't have to. And so well, neither do they I, very quickly – Yeah. <laughs> Pop balloons around you. You don't even care. No. <laughs> uh, the, the thing is, like, after a couple times, they're like, oh, but this is the perfect time to start. You got plenty of time. Just get going. Well, it's like when you go to a new place and you're sleeping and you hear a noise in the night, you wake up, right? But you hear a thousand noises a night at your house and you're like, oh, I'm not going to get up for that. Whatever. It's fine. <laughs> so you, you tend to ignore it. Hey, before we get to our our, our guest today, I wanted to we, – last week we talked about a very cool property in Lexington that was for sale. And then I came across this article about the largest ranches in the world. So, do you want to hear about some of the largest ranches in the world? Are they for sale? Can I have them? Well, I, I, for the right amount of money, yes. You can, okay. you can buy anything for the right amount of money. Uh, so, number five on the list of largest ranches in the world. Now, these are all in the United States, I, I think. No, nope, this one is not. Uh, so, number five on the list is a name I can't pronounce, and it's a dairy farm in China. Uh, <laughs> This is correct, apparently. 22 million acres. What? Good Lord. It's China, you know, so it's probably run by the government. Um, but yeah, 22 million acres. I didn't even know if you can count that. There's a next one and a name I can't pronounce in South Africa. It's 200,000 acres. And they said it's one of the biggest and most beautiful ranches in the world. It's a, 
Um, an English entrepreneur owns it, uh, and there's wildlife all over it and all of that kind of stuff. So, yeah, that's that's one of the biggest. Um, then there's one here in, of course, a lot of them in Texas. Uh, the Wagner Ranch in Texas is 535,000 acres. By the way, I learned a very difficult lesson one day on a show you weren't on when I asked a, a Texas rancher how many acres they had. Apparently, you're not supposed to do that. That's what? considered really? Rude. Yeah, see, in the English world, don't you – one of the first things when somebody buys a farm is you ask them how many acres they have, right? Because you're not supposed your, to ask a Texas farmer you're, that? You're not supposed to ask any Western farmer or rancher that. Apparently, that's only an English thing where we ask each other how many acres. Well, that, all I know is that, yeah, why don't you want to tell me like, yeah, uh, apparently what's going it's, on here? It's like asking how much money they have in the bank. It's like asking a girl how many horses you have. Yes, like, or what their bra rich. size is. So <laughs> I think it goes to what bra size because I got, I got like, we stopped the interview and I got told. So apparently that's just a thing you don't do. But anyway, the Wagner Ranch uh, is so one of the Glenn walking up to somebody. <laughs> yeah. When are you due? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the largest ran- ranch in Texas under one fence. Apparently the whole thing's completely fenced in. Uh, it was bought by the current owner, a billionaire named Stan Kroenke, uh, for $725 million in 2016. It goes across six counties. <laughs> so there you go. It focuses on oil, cattle, and horses. Wasn't that what all ranches do in Texas? No matter how yep. many acres. Um, yep. Yep. So number two is the Ted Turner Ranch, and that is 550,000 acres in New Mexico. It's diverse landscape, gorgeous mansions, uh, apparently lots of wildlife, 1,200 bison. Um, It offers – it's Ted Turner Ranch, so it offers recreational and conservation activities with 19 fishable lakes – a horseback riding, all kinds of different stuff. Uh, They have animals including bear, elk, bison, and mountain lions. Um, so there you go. They offer uh, public workshops, tours, and seasonal festivals at the Ted Turner Ranch there in New wow. Mexico. And, of course, one we uh, we all have heard about, and we heard about it recently, is the King Ranch. And that is in Texas, spanning 825,000 acres. That's the one that was for sale. Wasn't that? No, that was the Four Sixes Ranch that was for sale. Yeah, that the, yeah, the, that, that 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 was... the uh, Tombstone people bought, right? Not Tombstone, uh, the Yellowstone. Yellowstone, that's right. I tried watching that the other day. I tried starting at episode one. Do you you watched it? No, I couldn't get. I watched episode one. I couldn't get through it. Me I either. was like, I and I know a lot of people are listening, going up. What? That's What's so wrong amazing. With you too? Like, I know that there's horses don't whinny when they're full galloping. <laughs> and the other thing is, like, I'm like, uh, you can just murder people and like. 2020 or whatever year like you can't just you can't just kill people and not go to jail like i don't care where you are and the but the one i did like was 1883 yeah you know i want to try i got that now i can try it so it's fantastic i i just had the same problem with yellowstone with that you did i had the same problem in episode one it was like i don't really want to watch 100 episodes of this yeah. I don't know. Maybe it gets better. And uh, yes, people are calling us wusses and wimps right now. But we also, neither one of us watch horror movies. So there's that either, too. So you can call us wusses and wimps about that, too. Too stressful. Too stressful. Yeah. So uh, let me see who else is on this list that stood out to me. Um, 
There's one in Australia. You would expect more in Australia. Because Australia is like Texas. You know, it's kind of got the same thing going. Um, there's one in Australia and another one in New Mexico that's 156,000 acres. So, yeah, some big ranches out there in the world. But now, learn your lesson, boys and girls. If you're on the English side, don't ask how many acres they have if they're wearing a cowboy hat. That's not good. I had no idea. Mm, now yeah, you but that was just lesson. you. No. No, this was one of Tara's episodes where we're doing the Western episodes, and I actually asked somebody, and she stopped and said, "Cut! No, you're not. You can't ask that." <laughs> oh my god! No, that's is it because they're like leasing land from the government and they can't say it's theirs? And all like... I was told is it's you know it's like asking the worst of things. How much do you weigh? <laughs> So I never did it again. Now, if I know they're English, like all the time, like one of the first things I asked you when you moved into your farm was how many acres it was. Yeah, 20,000. It's a yeah. lot. <laughs> <laughs> largest farm in Oklahoma, right yep, there. Jamie's house. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what is large. They have almost 5,000 acres, and that's the World Equestrian Center. Uh, that's probably one of the largest uh, spans of property owned by one person in Ocala, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, they have many non-horse events there, but they uh, obviously do a ton of horse stuff. I noticed that a couple of our auditors actually came to visit uh, Ocala over the weekend, and we're at the World Equestrian Center watching the jumping, because because the USEF premier hunter-jumper show is going on right now. I noticed that our very own Kayla is over there jumping. It's got to be hot. Um, you know, they Wait have... till she has her equestrian first world problem. <laughs> oh, really? Okay. Yeah. They have $3.5 million in prize money going on for the 10-week run of this show. And they have the big uh, Saturday night shows, Saturday night kind of under the lights thing, which would be probably cool enough to actually sit there and watch. And uh, they apparently pack the place every Saturday night. It's full of people watching the big wow. Grand Prix. So cool. They just finished their 41,000-square-foot veterinary hospital run by the Florida College of Veterinary Medicine, and also their new magazine, new edition of their magazine is just out, and I'll put that link in the show notes. You can go read it. It's free to read. Their cover article is on show jumper Olympian Will Simpson, so check that out as well. There's a lot of variety, and if you're in the Ocala area or you're driving past, stop at the World Equestrian Center, and now I know a lot of you are because I've noticed you posting. It's a must-see. Go to worldequestriancenter.com to find all the details on what's coming up. Our guest today is Beyond the Ribbon Spotlight para writer Charlotte Merrill Smith. Hi, Charlotte. Hi, guys. Thanks for joining us today. We really appreciate it. So, Charlotte, we talked to you last, well, we talked to you last about Hope Hand, but uh, when we talked to you last about your competing, you hadn't been to these events at Tryon yet, and you just did a CPEDI three-star dressage show at Tryon. How'd it go? Great. It was, yeah, it was super fun. Um, It got better every day. The first day was not as good as it could have been, but then I improved by a couple of percentage points each day. So I was in the seventies by the last day. So how um, many times will you do a test at a show like this? It's one test for three days. Okay. I mean, it's a different test each day for three days. And is freestyle one of those? Yep. So para has a team test an individual test and a freestyle. Gotcha. And what was your music for the freestyle? Um, it's to the the movie Lady Hawk. Okay, I'm trying. I have to look that up. Music to Lady Hawk. Yeah, apparently I had never seen it either, but it's sort of like 
in the um, Princess Bride sort of. It's a classic eighties movie involving a Frisian and a hawk. How have you not seen this movie? <laughs> oh, so you've seen it. Fabulous. <laughs> oh yeah. I've seen it now. It's it's pretty darn good. <laughs> That's funny. Um, Handsome man galloping on a Frisian with a hawk attached. Come on. <laughs> <laughs> So, Charlotte, this is actually uh, this was actually a qualifier for the World Equestrian Championships, right? Yeah, it was a final observation event for the U.S. team. Any chance? Yeah. Okay. Well, I didn't I know if so. they had named it yet or not. I didn't. No, they named the team on July first. And you got a shot. I certainly hope so. You'll know by Friday. Isn't that exciting? Where are the World Equestrian yes. Championships this year? They're in Denmark uh, for dressage, paradressage, and show jumping are in Denmark. That's cool. That's cool. You've been to Denmark before, haven't you? No, I have not. I've actually traveled. I've been fortunate to travel a lot in my life, but I've never been to Denmark. Well, that'd be cool if that was your first trip and you got to ride. Yeah. That'd be cool. Well, uh, well, congratulations. We all have our fingers crossed for you, and it uh, looks Thank like you. we'll know by, by the weekend. Um, uh-huh. Now, also, you hung around for a few extra days and did what was called a high-performance symposium. What is that? Yeah, so um, you had to have certain scores um, to be invited or be eligible for it, and I had the scores, so... So on Monday, we went on a boating trip so we could give the horses a day off. And then on Tuesday and Wednesday, we rode with one of the judges stayed after to help us, Sarah Litch. And then also the team chef, Michelle Osseline. And so we rode our tests again for her and prepared the horses like we would for a test and competition. And then she gave her feedback um, and we were able to redo parts of it. Uh, if we didn't, we could just get help on you know, one thing and one movement and get the judge's perspective. And so it was great. Um, yeah. What, did you, what was the biggest just, takeaway you had out of it? I got to go for more. Mm. And the coolest, one of the coolest things about my horse is that she does exactly, or not always exactly, but she does what I ask her to do. So if I am like, this feels nice. She'll be like kind of plain and like, she's always good, but she just looks plain. Then when I ask her for more, really spice things up, she's like, okay, I can do that too. Um, so it was really helpful to get, to have Sarah to be like, just keep asking for more. Cause my horse just keeps giving it to me, which is awesome. You really have developed. You, how long have you had this horse? Not long, really. I joke that the check cleared on tax day, uh, 2020. So April 15th, coming up on two years, not even two years yet. Yep. And so you, you really have formed a partnership with this horse. Oh, she's just so awesome. I'm so fortunate to have her in my life and have the support team that I do. And, um, cause she loves, I can really tell she likes me. She loves my mother and Ruth Hogan Polson, who I ride with, um, She's just great. Well, you looked long enough. You spent two years looking for the horse. (laughs) Yeah, I did. (laughs) It was worth the wait, though. (laughs) You put in your trial and tribulation just finding one. So so I'm so glad that you found one that you really have formed a partnership with. And it's going to maybe take you around the world. Well, she already has because we went to Germany. 
last year when we were reserved for the team. That's right. I forgot about that. Yeah. Well, we're very proud of you. Congratulations, Charlotte, on everything you're accomplishing. And hopefully we talk to you next week and you're telling us about a trip to Denmark. All right. Sounds good. Thanks so much for your support. All right. Thanks, Charlotte. Attention horse owners, are you looking to help your horse recover with ease after a strenuous workout? Would you like to nourish your horse and their digestive system? If so, try the new Purina Replenimash product. It's much more than a mash. Replenimash promotes hydration, replenishes electrolytes, and supports gastric comfort. Put Purina's research to the test. Stop into your local Purina retailer and grab a bag of Purina Replenimash product today. Hey, I saw this interesting study that took place actually in Turkey, and it is three thoroughbreds and three halflingers were used in an experiment, okay? So, I remember uh, being with a horse equine ophthalmologist, and she always said that the horses could see blue and yellow the best. That was the best color they could see. I feel like they could always see green because they always know right where that patch of uh, gra- green I grass guess, is, right? Exactly. <laughs> Scooter can find that greener grass every time. Every time. So here's the thing. They did a study to see what color water buckets horses prefer and will drink from the most. Okay. So what they did is they lined up on a fence. Let's see. I see a turquoise one, a blue one, a green one, a dark green one, a light green one, a yellowish one, and a red one. And what they did was they took these water buckets and filled them up and every, they were three meters apart. And every day they shifted them and moved the buckets kind of like around. Mm. So it wasn't always in the same order. And what they realized is that the water consumption from the lighter toned buckets was higher than from the dark ones. I wonder if it's because of the temperature of the water. But anyway, turquoise and light blue was used the most. They were drank from turquoise and light blue the most of all of the studies. Okay. Six bucket colors. Red, light green, yellow green. Green, light blue, turquoise, measuring the water every single time. Turquoise, light blue, the way that they did. They haven't actually, the the order of it, the preference was from the turquoise the most, and they measured all the water they drank. And the red buckets had the lowest water consumption. So for those of you whose barn colors have red in it, you may want to reconsider. Teal is where it's at. Turquoise, they said, hey, that's a mixture of blue and green. So maybe, you know, that's the visual thing that horses can see. Um, and the, 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 the vision of the horse might have something to do with the different colors. And if they take away the turquoise next time, maybe a different one will be used. But they're going to continue to do this. But it just gave me thought, like, of all the, wa- I have so many red water buckets. Well, you just end up with the buckets you buy. You don't even think about it, right? So I buy whatever's on sale. Exactly. My barn color is clearance. That's what it's called. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, but now maybe a little bit of a heads up, like light blue and turquoise. It is, is true. Is if go. we have two buckets hanging in the pa- in in the barn or in the paddock, they're always drink one and not the other. The other's always the backup second one. It's true of every time. And they're you know different what? colors. That needs to be a t-shirt. My my barn colors are clearance. <laughs> <laughs> we gotta write, we gotta write these things down. <laughs> write that down, somebody. I need a shirt. <laughs> but yeah, turquoise and light blue, interesting. I mean, I have dark blue and red everywhere, and dark green too. But again, if you think about like the temperature of the water, maybe I don't know. I don't know. I don't know what it means, but it, it, I do know that I have a. a 
black muck tub and one, and it's next to a blue one. And I fill up that blue one a lot more. I didn't even think about that until right now. Hmm. Look at that. I don't know either. That's, that is interesting. And it makes sense because they're always going, now I'm going to have to note if it's the lighter colored buckets they're drinking first. What's amazing is there's a published study that was taken from six horses, just six. So we can all do better <laughs> than that at our barn. Like this yes. is a nationally published, internationally published study, and it re- it studied six horses. It is so, good to move them around because I think horses are creatures of habit too. So if you're always going for the end one, you're always going to go for the end one. But apparently this showed that it didn't matter. They would always go for the color. Yeah. 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 That is all right. interesting. It's uh, time, Glenn. It's time? Oh, all yeah. right. Well, then let's do it. It's time for the weekly look at your equestrian first world problems. This ought to be good. Yeah, these are problems that actual people have decided to let me know about. And I am really glad that they're releasing, you know, from their shoulders, the weight and burden of these issues. And these are our listeners who are auditors. I put up a post on the Facebook page uh, before the show starts at some point and just asking like, hey, what's going on today? What are you doing? And then they all uh, let me know what has happened in their life. So, Glenn, um, if people want to participate in this and become an auditor, what do they do? What's it cost for a Starbucks cup of coffee nowadays? I don't, I don't drink coffee. Uh, Forty-seven dollars. <laughs> so, for a lot less than that, <laughs> you can become an auditor. For less than one cup of coffee at Starbucks, you can become an auditor. Join our uh, super secret Facebook page where everybody's having conversations about everything, including us. We're always in there chatting too. So, uh, also they get additional content like the post show that we're going to do right after we're done with the regular show today. I do special. Uh, video shows in there. Uh, we have a show called WTF. That's kind of a psychology show that we do in there. So there's lots of special things you get being an auditor. Go to horseradionetwork.com and click on the auditor banner in the upper right-hand corner of the page. And you also get to tell us what your serious problems are. Okay, it's very sad. Uh, I've decided to do something a little different this week, and I'll probably try to carry it through. Is I want to award a winner. Okay? <laughs> I, there's like Just two that are really close to winning the biggest problem. I mean, it's obviously a problem. You should have something good come out of it. And (laughs) the winner of Equestrian First World Problems is going to get a check in the mail from Glenn for $1 million. That's right. That is correct. I will send a (laughs) fake check for $1 million directly to you. Um, Yeah. So let's start with Kristen. See, the reason you know that's not true is because (laughs) Jamie would ask for the million dollars before any of you got it. So that's how you know that's not true. I want the $1 million, but Glenn's (laughs) going to send it to you because I'm a giver and I want you, because you've obviously suffered from something. So if if Uh, you won the lottery, you would share it with me is what you're saying? No, but I I didn't think so. The person who won the equestrian first I didn't think so. Uh, so Kristen said, I wanted to take both my horses to a, sh- a horse trial in August, but I got asked to assist at a clinic that same weekend. And apparently it's like a huge compliment to be asked. And so I have to work instead of show girl, please. They tell you it's a comp, it's, a, it's an honor. <laughs> yeah, so you'll exactly. do it. Exactly. Go show your horses, <laughs> take baby Zara out there and spin her around. Jessica says life and we're, by the way, Kristen's horses, baby Zara, and she did go out and in her first ever horse trial, won the whole thing. And I want to tell Kristen that I contacted the breeder and let him know, and they were so unbelievably excited. Oh, yay. 
Yeah. Um, and I would also like to say that uh, Zara's full brother is for sale. Um, Jessica said that life and work is keeping me from being consistent with saddle training my chonky five-year-old myself. So now I'm having to send her to boarding school with a really cool trainer. And apparently I have too much cash in my wallet. <laughs> Get to work. Uh, Olivia said my mare's finally home from the vet after a very scary huff injury and is on stall rest. However, she decided one sympathy friend isn't enough. She's got to have two friends to keep her company and she will not settle for anything less. <laughs> that's a lot of, that's a lot of stalls to clean. Yes. You know, a lot of stalls. Uh, Laura said the surgeon said I could start walking my horse under tack. I should be ecstatic, but that means no lunging first. And that seems like a potential way to die. <laughs> <laughs> well, if it's a surgery, it's been a while. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Take it easy. Kayla. Here's Kayla. This is Kayla's first problem. We mentioned her earlier. She says, I didn't want to do like the big class this week with my horse, but it looks like I'll have to do it because it's so stinking hot that a, an 8 a.m. class is way better than doing a smaller one in the middle of the day. <laughs> so she's like, I've got a show. I'm just going to jump the giant one because it's at eight in the morning. <laughs> That's so funny. Uh, Patricia said, I'm too tired. She obviously doesn't care about dying, Kayla. No, she doesn't care. She's brave. Patricia says, I'm too tired after watching a horse show in 90 degree weather yesterday to do anything with my horse today. (laughs) (laughs) Julia says, I'm almost too ashamed to write this. That's always a good start. But here goes. I bought an Icelandic horse. That will be imported in September to spare her the hot summer in Massachusetts. But I'm visiting Ocala right now for the first time. And now I want to live here. But I just bought a Nordic troll pony who will hate it. <laughs> yes, your Nordic you pony's going to die in the summer. Yeah. <laughs> You can't take an Icelandic to Florida. <laughs> Diane says, I just bought a brand new girth, but I ordered the wrong size. And I had to like wait for the new girth. And now I have to wait for the extender to get here. <laughs> <laughs> Jillian, I spent all week. Oh, this is so great. She was close. I spent all weekend bailing hay. And then my horse choked yesterday. And now he's not allowed to eat the fresh new hay. <laughs> Hey, by the way, I just bailed my pasture. I'm so excited. How much did you get? See, or am I not allowed to ask that? Yeah, it's rude. It's like, (laughs) I I don't want to tell you how much I weigh. I'm not pregnant. Uh, No, I, we have bailed 10 acres and I got 20 round bales off of the 10. That's pretty good, huh? I'm so excited because I used about 40 last year. So if we can do a second cutting, I'll have all my hay done. Now, granted, it cost about $400,000 to get this hay, but at this point, get it. Like, like the hay guy was like, you could sell it for like 120 bucks a bale. And last year they were 80, you know, mm. because it's really good sprayed, good, healthy Bermuda grass. And it's hard to find. So I was like, no, I'm not going to sell it. Cause then I just have to buy, buy it yeah. and then pay to have it. Buy the crappy here. stuff. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, no, I'll keep it. But what's amazing is like, he's like, you're not going to make you like, you're going to have in it almost as much as you, you get out of it. And I was like, that's okay. what he charged here. you to do it. Yeah, because I had to pay for what it had, but we also had to like take care of the fields. There's like stickers that are in mm. Arizona, so you have to spray for the stickers. You have to fertilize. You have to do all this stuff. I've been like literally on my hands and knees talking 
to the blades of grass for the last Well, like, and you know, we've months. had this conversation before. It's like having a garden with vegetables. By the time I put all the time and effort and money into growing the tomato, I could have bought a bushel. But dear God, that tomato's good. <laughs> and that's the bottom line. Um, Elizabeth actually emailed me one, and I, I just felt the need to repeat it. This was also one of the potential winners. She finished in second place, so she only gets a check for half a million dollars from Glenn. Uh, when I finally got tired of not being able to wear open-toed shoes in 100-degree summer heat, I went for my first post-pandemic pedicure and got talk-slash-shamed into getting a gel manicure, too. Well, horse girls don't get manicures because horses were ruined. They said, even horses won't ruin this. Gels are indestructible. Want to bet, my mare said? Within 48 hours after the manicure, I managed to get horse hair wedged under the edges of the gel. So now my fingers look like they have tiny little whiskers. <laughs> She said, next time I'll have them paint the nails with a horse face, and then it totally makes sense. <laughs> I got a pedicure this weekend, and they were like, you need manicure. And I was like, no, no, I don't. Thank you, though. <laughs> I'm good. Um, let's see. Next. Uh, Danielle, I love this one just because I'm getting nothing accomplished at home because all I want to do is watch the videos on Monty's University and go to the barn to practice. Who you was know that, what? Danielle? She was there, Danielle. wasn't she? Yeah. Uh, what you can do, Danielle, is you can actually download them on your phone and watch them while you're practicing, which that'll save you some time, right? Um, Laurie, Kroger was completely out of baby carrots. So I had to buy big carrots and then cut them up for my horse. <laughs> <laughs> that is a further and, question for us. Oh, uh, yeah. Oh, my God. You have to cut them up. Anna said, it's beautiful out this week, but I'll hardly get to ride because I'll be at my parents' lake cabin for the fourth. You end up enjoying some time in the lake. Uh, some, uh, let's see, let's see, let's see. I wanted to go to Mama's Done. Jessica says, I took Thursday and Friday off from work, but I don't think I'll be able to ride because the neighbors aforementioned neighbors are blasting off fireworks too early. Mm. Like when you're riding. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. We discussed that. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Carrie says my horse will not keep his long nose fly mask on. So now he has to get sunscreen on his adorable pink little nose. <laughs> Neither I've one of us will keep their fly masks on and they're not even out with anybody. I don't know how they get them off. I really don't. I, it's amazing. So, so miles, my Andalusian. Oh dear God. He's as round. He looks like a blueberry. He's so round. So I was like, that's it. You've got to go on to the muzzle. And then you put the muzzle on and he takes it off. Or you put a fly mask on and he takes it off. So I've got the green guard muzzle with the halter that you can buy that goes with it. It's got like a strap that goes down the forehead and like off the side, which first of all problem, his forelock is gross. But I can put the fly mask on and then I put the muzzle with its special halter over it. And it's like I super glued it. For some reason, this horse cannot get the really? muzzle and the fly mask off. It's like, it's like almost, and it's a long nose one too. And it's almost encompassing his whole entire head. And he looks so completely ridiculous. So he has the fly ridiculous. mask and the muzzle? And he the muzzle. He looks like a stormtrooper or something. <laughs> he does. Like, and I'll take a picture of it later because and the fly mask also has ears. 
So he's like got the ears that are covered, and and that's I think what helps keep it in. I don't know, like crim. And then of course, like he sees the muzzle coming, and he doesn't want it, so I put some grain in the bottom of the muzzle, probably undoing all the work that I did to keep the muzzle on. But now he'll like put his face in the muzzle, and I can put it over the fly mask, and it is like super glue. I don't know what happened, but I'll take a picture so you guys can see it and try to emulate it if you need to. Little hot tip there. Um, let's see. Uh, and then the final winner. Is this the winner? Okay. Of June 27th, 2022. Get the checkbook Equestrian out. First of all, probably get the checkbook out. It goes to Maya Lopez Grassi. I'm sure you don't say that. Just Maya. Um, last week, this is a little bit of a long one, but it's worth it. Last week, I spent a day doing my usual Zoom and conference calls from the barn so I could fit in a ride. Yay for flexibility. Aside from the flies, it was a very relaxing day at the office. And then she starts a video meeting with a new client where she was doing most of the talking. I inhaled a fly mid-sentence. I had to decide in a split second whether to try and hawk a fly loogie or swallow it and chase it with a slug of water. I chose the latter, took a swig of water, and kept on talking. I felt the fly lump in my throat <laughs> oh, for hours. Oh, so I had a fly fly in my mouth when I was riding and I vomited off the side of Edward when I was riding him and I was like children around. I was like, Bleh! like, Oh God. Oh God. The fly. Oh God. The fly. And then to feel it and for hours, I would have. Totally you are a vegetarian. Killed. So I can see the problem. Oh, so gross. <laughs> now there's a, there's a viral video that went around about a, a guy in Oklahoma and he's a news reporter and he's down doing a news story at some like school and he's on camera and he's like very professionally. Yes. And then ladies and gentlemen, this happened, blah, 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 this happened. And then he's like, Oh, blah, blah, huh, oh my God. Cut the, there's a freaking fly just flew down my mind. It is not safe for work. And to see this big dude, like lose his mind. I want to come to this country ass place. Like, like freaks out. So Google reporter, Oklahoma bug in mouth and you will see a video again. If it's not the edited version, it is not safe to work. I couldn't find the edited version, so I couldn't play it on here because it is the guy gets very upset. Um, but it made me think of that. And um, congratulations, Maya, because you swallowed a fly and did not in front of a new client vomit on screen like I would have done. You now get Glenn's one million dollars. Congrats. <laughs> uh, look for that in the mail. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's on its way, baby. It's, it's, yeah, I wrote that check out right now. We till somebody like reports us said like the, the the podcast version of the FCC, and they're like, you can't make fake promises. <laughs> well, it wasn't fake. I told them they'd be getting a fake check. So <laughs> you did. it's all fake. It's you know, speaking of throwing up, they built this billion dollar ride that just opened at Epcot Center here at Disney World. Really? It's for Guardians of the Galaxy. It's a Guardians oh. of the Galaxy ride. And it's a roller coaster, but apparently they use new technology where the cars spin in addition to the roller coaster part. Oh, dear God. So, 
and, and then you get all these visuals and every well, people have been throwing up like crazy when they get off the. <gasps> oh my god! They have all this high tech equipment, and there's like cleaning vomit off of it. Yeah, Apparently, they had to move guys. the garbage cans right by the exit because there were so many people. Th- Can you imagine being on duty? Oh, you get the end of the roller coaster today. Oh my <laughs> god! Don't give me the last shift on the Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> God. Hey, uh, this at the end of the show, we I wanted to mention that tomorrow will be the Horse Illustrated episode. We have some good, fun guests on that show. And also, of course, we'll be giving away our prizes, $400 in prizes this week. On Friday, we'll be doing uh, really bad ads and giving away the prizes. So get your ads in. You have this week to get your ads into Jennifer at HorseRadioNetwork.com to be included in the drawing. But at the end of the show, sometimes we talk about movies and TV. You're a big Marvel fan, or at least your son is. Um, did you We're see the Marvel new family? Yeah, the Doctor Strange uh, multiverse thing. Did you see the movie? I, I did see it. I saw it over the weekend on TV. And now I'm going to preface this. You know it, but some of the listeners might not. I do not like time travel movies. Well, I learned over the weekend that I do not like multiverse movies even more than time travel movies. Do you know what I don't like is zombie movies. And <laughs> we we both failed. That, that movie was terrifying. It was it was awful. It was hard to follow. I just didn't like it at all. We, neither one of us liked it. We made fun of it the whole time. It just was awful. And then they were making vague references, to, like the four people were in the other. I just, it just, I, the multiverse seems like, okay, we're running out of things we can talk about in superhero movies. So let's invent something. Let's call it the multiverse. I just I couldn't do the zombie thing. The story is pretty cool. I thought it was pretty cool the story and how they do all that. I don't understand it, but the end and then the bonus scenes and the credits like that's all like leading to something. So I always think like when I'm watching it, I'm just watching a, a pre yeah. prequel. Well, this one definitely else. seemed like we got to make a movie with Doctor Strange in it. What can we do? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean it was it was. It was interesting, um, but strange. Yes, uh, really weird. Um, and there were zombies, and I just I don't do zombies. I I closed my eyes for a good twenty minutes of that. Yeah, see, I didn't have that problem. I just was like, oh, it was just I don't know. Anyway, um, that was uh, one thing I wanted to mention was. Whew. I was glad I didn't spend money to see it. <clears throat> well, I it's have my just quote. on TV now. Like it's a, it's on Disney Plus right now. Yep. Oh, see, I didn't know that. Now I'm gonna have to watch it again. Thanks. Yeah. Good luck with that. So we're gonna hang around for if you're if you are an auditor, hang around for the post show because we're gonna be talking about first jobs and there's some interesting ones. All right. So I have the quote to end the show, and this is from Alan Cohen, and he said, "Do not wait until the conditions are perfect to begin." beginning makes the conditions perfect. And that was true when we started Horse Radio Network and this show, because conditions definitely were not perfect. And look, we're still here. We are. Spade Nitter Gallon, everybody. Oh, wait, I have the fancy new opener. Time for the Auditor Post Show. We want to remind you that this is not always safe for work or the kiddos. Thanks for hanging around for our nonsense. It will be on my end because I have two kiddos at the bottom of the stairs right now. (laughs) 
<laughs> you can't swear. Well, that's okay. Oh. Today's topic doesn't require swearing. So um, I decided to ask the auditors what their first jobs were because I don't know that we've ever talked about this. So my first job, I worked at Zinn's Diner. I was a busboy. I was 16 years old. And I, I no, I wasn't a busboy. I did the dishes. I did busboy for a little bit after that. But the first job was doing the dishes. I was a dishwasher. Well, Zinn's Diner, the problem with this was I picked the busiest diner in probably the state of Pennsylvania. It was had a line out the door 24 hours a day. So you had to get the dishes done all the time. And there were four dishwashers. That's how busy this diner was. Uh, so, yes, I washed the pots and pans. We washed the dishes, carried the large stacks of dishes, which for a very klutzy, very skinny 16-year-old boy was not always the best move because there was a lot of broken dishes. But they would be large stacks of the plates. And, and for some reason, they always store them above the grills. So you'd have to, you know, lift these large stacks of plates above the grills, which always didn't go well either. So, yeah, that wasn't very good. So then they put me on busing, which did a little better. And then I eventually ended up being a short order cook there. So, uh, and by the way, do you know what I made per hour when I started that? In 1976. Oh, my God. That was before I was born. What did you make? $2.10 was the minimum wage then. Did you have to pay them to work there? Pretty much. <laughs> $2.10 for that miserable dishwashing job. <laughs> so what did you do? I don't even know what you did. Now, we're talking about first paying job, not your, you helped out. You not know, like barn feeder yeah, on the Like weekend, you got a paycheck kind of okay. with taxes taken out. I, I've been trying to remember which one came first. Um, it was holiday season, and I was 16, and everybody hung out at the mall. So I ended up getting a job at The Gap. Seasonal. Oh, you weren't the only one. There were a couple people that said The Gap. Yeah, oh, really? Yeah, I'm like way too young to be working the app. I had no idea what I was doing. All I did was like fold clothes and I was a greeter. And you walk in, I'd be like, hey, thank you. All the sales steps in the back. I did not last very long at the gap. But I also was a grocery store. There was a local IGA up the street and like all the kids would worked there at some point. Um, all the cool kids anyway. So I would bring up groceries and I still remember PLU numbers from various things. Is that right? <laughs> like the bananas. Yes. 4011. <laughs> it's still 4011. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> Everywhere. It's like universal. Anyway, that, those are kind of my first ones. Now, my first job in college when I worked for I worked for the Gluck Equine Research Center because I wanted to go to vet school and I was like if I go it turns out I, c I couldn't afford to actually go to school and eat and things like that mm. so I was like I need to get a job well um this is 1996 and the university doesn't pay minimum wage because you're getting you know benefit I think I made 412 an hour in 96 working for the university and I washed test tubes and I collected urine. <laughs> so those were those jobs. I don't, but I, I don't remember if the grocery store or the gap came first, but right. it was one of those. Well, I did both. Well, when we go through the list of auditors here, I picked some out. A lot of them were in restaurants and stuff like that. So I tried to get a variety, so I can't do all of them. There were like a hundred comments. I was but a Philly cheesesteak delivery driver too, for the Philly connection. <laughs> there you go. In Atlanta. In Atlanta. <clears throat> so, the question is, when we go down through these, are these jobs we could do or would even want to do? Okay? Okay. So now these are people's entry-level jobs, and, and there's some of these that I don't think I would even be qualified for. So <laughs> <laughs> like the first one, Kaylee said, I guided people in the mountains on horseback. 
So that's her first job, like probably at the age of 16. She's responsible for guiding people through the mountains and not getting lost mm. or dead. No, I couldn't do that. You couldn't? I thought you could. Obviously, I couldn't, but I, I didn't know if you could. I, I, you know what I would do? Like, what you do is you ride for two hours and you get completely lost and you take the rest of the day trying to find your way home. And eventually <laughs> you just drop the reins and the horse gets you home in 15. There you go. <laughs> that's that's your your leadership right there. Yeah, I'm not I'm not like uh, GPS tracking anything. No. <laughs> now, Devin said uh, this is Daredevil, Daredevil Devin we're talking about here. Uh, I started working at a barn trading labor for saddle time. Long story short, I was in the saddle 10 hours a day anyway. So we worked out a deal under the table for nine dollars an hour. She was 10. Oh, dear God. <laughs> That's pretty good. Claire, t- she's making $9 an hour at the age of 10. I was 16 through 20 making $2.30. Um, Claire, I worked at the library reshelving books. It was quiet and sometimes a little boring. I kind of wish I could do it now. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> that's true. I couldn't do that. Are you kidding? The books would all be in the wrong places. I don't have the I'm patience too, for that. My ADD would kick in. That'd I'm too be, loud. Yeah, that no. Yeah, yeah. I'm too ADD. You're too loud for that job. So uh, Lisa said, I worked at Waffle House two summers in a row. I still can't eat waffles. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Waffle House, especially if you have the midnight to seven shift. God, you've seen it all if you have that shift. And you've been My hit friend- on by everybody. Oh, God. My friend worked at Waffle House in high school, and she would come home with her tips, and it'd be like, she'd have like 47 pounds of change. <laughs> that was her tips. Like, <laughs> and would pour it out on the table, you know, like, and we'd be sorting quarters. Here's a quarter. Here's a penny. Here's a quarter. Here's a dime. Here's a you penny. You probably get lucky occasionally with the drunk guy at two in the morning that leaves a $50, you know, tip. Never. Yeah. I've never heard of anybody yeah, doing that okay. at wa- Waffle House. Not at Waffle House. You're probably right. Uh, Summer sent this one in. She said, I was a camp counselor in the horse program at Girl Scout camp when I was 16. It would have been more fun, but it was the year one of the counselors fell off and the tractor fell off the tractor and got run over. Oh, dear God. So we had insurance people standing on top of everything and everything we did for the whole summer. I thought it was so much money. (laughs) First year you're at camp and one of your fellow uh, instructors gets run over by the tractor. Oh, Oh, dear God. (laughs) I couldn't do camp, by the way. Too many kids. No, thank you. Could you do camp with kids? Oh, I did camp forever. Horse camp all the time. You worked at it, though? Oh yeah. yeah. I love I love doing camp. It was fun because you're like, oh, let's paint the horses. Okay, yeah, you didn't give everybody a couple of riding lessons. It was I I love doing it. And it's it, it, yeah, no, I love doing that. Huh. Uh, uh, re- you throw horses in anything, I'm good. Well, you could you couldn't do the next one. <clears throat> Uh, I probably could do the next one. I could get through doing the next one. I'm not saying I'd like it. Rebecca said, and there were many of these. I worked at McDonald's. Annual paycheck four thousand dollars as a crew chief. Now you make sixteen bucks what? an hour at McDonald's. <laughs> Annual four thousand as a crew chief. I wonder what she started. Now they're making they're making the bigger bucks at McDonald's. Uh, yeah, it you reminds could... me of the coming to America, where it's like, right now I'm on fries <laughs> and I might get to go, to the, and that's when the big bucks are rolling in. <laughs> You couldn't do McDonald's, too many burgers. Uh, Jessica said this, I was a vet tech assistant. Basically meant I cleaned dog poop and pee all day. After a little while, I got promoted to vet tech, which meant I got pooped on and peed on all day. Yeah. (laughs) 
I had that same trajectory in high school. I worked at a vet clinic and then I was a te- yeah, the, the kennel assistant and then the tech. Yeah. It's, so you it's go from cleaning it up job. to having it happen. Yep. <laughs> Mary said, I hand cut mats for a watercolor artist. I didn't get paid much, but I was so proud. How many how many watercolors is she doing if you have somebody full time cutting mats? It's like when they have the horses do the paintings. Yeesh, what is that? That's a What's lot. that guy? They were pumping them out. Just pumping them out. <laughs> Kayla, I only put this one in because of what she said. Kayla said, I made sandwiches at a at two goes, like a nicer version of Subway. I was not very good at it. I made a cheese and lettuce sandwich once for a girl and forgot the cheese. <laughs> <laughs> Here's your lettuce sandwich. <laughs> That's pretty good. And I could see Kayla doing that. That's the funny part. <clears throat> Sarah said, I was grounded and forced to go on a family outing to the Pennsylvania, or not, to the Renaissance Fair. It wasn't Pennsylvania. I added that. To the Renaissance Fair. I got offered a job within a couple of hours of being there, and the rest was history. I finally worked my last festival 25 years later. So a fellow Rennie there, fellow Rennie, <laughs> she ended up uh, ending her career at the Renaissance Fairs in the Jousting Troupe. Nice. Yeah, I have to do an interview with her sometime. April said, uh, this is your April, uh, said, car hop at a Sonic. No roller skates. I was, it was an accident risk. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. Yeah, I feel like you get that job. It should be a choice. Can you roller skate? No. No, me either. I couldn't. I I I can't even, you know, there's shoes called Heelys. Yes. Where it's like the heel, just a little wheel. I fell off. I fell down wearing those. How about Literally, I do stand up. No. No, I can do either. either. Do we we agree on that. Gwen, oh, I have to read Gwen. It's a little longer, but it's funny. I worked at a bottle redemption center. People would bring in their empty cans for six cents a piece. They're supposed to be clean, but they never are. People would bring truckloads of full of dirty, stinky, empty beer cans. Sometimes there would be dead mice, condoms, and miscellaneous trash. Ew. It was hot and smelly in the summer, and there were so many bees. Everyone was impatient but also wanted to chat with me while I counted and sorted by hand. It was a nasty, dirty job. Minimum wage, but at 16, it was at least something. I later went on to work at the liquor store upstairs as a cashier all through high school and college, but I had to fill in the deli and bottle redemption basement on occasion. The smell of hot, stale beer is oddly nostalgic for me now. (laughs) Ew. Rose, and then a cashier for a liquor store when you're 16. Do you know how much trouble I would have gotten in? Oh, really? You want to buy some beer? Yeah. Cool. Cute Here guy that's that's 17. Yes, I'll yeah, sell you beer. I uh, you know, I know I got some of my own. You can just come up. Like, yes. I, I just, that would have been, I would have oh, gotten arrested. Can you arrested. imagine working at a recycle center? Oh, my God. <clears throat> that's one neither one of us are going to do. We could probably do it, but we're not going to. Kyle said, oh, this is Dr. Kyle, by the way. Wendy's Dr. Kyle. Cinemark Movie Theater's Concession Counter. My boss, a 50-plus cougar, would constantly make sexual, sexual innuendos when we met each night to reconcile my cashier's till. In hindsight, I think that's why she never let me be an usher, as ushers rarely met with her in private. Mm-hmm. Gross. <laughs> that's creepy. Here's one both of us would do in an instant as our first job, and we would sign up gladly for this job. Cade. I worked in a candy store. Mm. Yes, I can do that job. 
<laughs> I, you'd have to roll me out of there after about three months. couple more. Meta said, Valley Preschool. I was an aide. Basically babysitting without all the responsibility. I loved it. Yeah, there's one. I'm not doing preschool. Not doing that. And you're a walking Petri dish. <laughs> Lisa sent this one. A trail guide at a local dude ranch when I was 15. It was great. 40 horses and I could take my pick. Got to ride all day and earned $1.50 an hour. <gasps> wow, she's raking it in. <laughs> could you? That would be fun, though. Yeah, you'd probably do that one. Laura said... Receptionist at a window and door company during the summer when I was 15. Most boring job ever. But I know a lot about windows. <laughs> and one Random more. Random information. Yes. Kelly sent this one in, this last one. I worked at a very sketchy store in the mall that sold novelty items as a cashier. And we all know what that store was. I was way too young to be working there handling cash. Then it turned out the owner got sent to jail for drug trafficking. Wow. <laughs> there you go. There's your first jobs. Everybody has an experience with their first job. That's for sure. It's I, true. I, it's really weird that I don't remember which one came first, but whatever. It's. Uh, I, have me- I have horrible memories of the dishwasher. I have good memories of being the short order cook. And again, it was at the busiest diner in all of Pennsylvania. So there were times we have an eight-foot grill just for pancakes, and it'd be loaded with pancakes. We had, a, we had a six-foot grill for eggs, and there were times there'd be 50 overlight eggs going at once. I mean, gross. I, I just, you know, it was it was that busy. But yeah, I, I will tell you, they, look at Glenn now. Like these people that start in restaurants can achieve great things. You know, Luke, uh, Chad, his first job was at a Hardee's. And a, I, well, he, he worked at a Hardee's and he also washed dishes at a restaurant. You so know I what don't I know think which it one teaches you is how to multitask. Especially if you're a cook, you learn how to multitask like nobody else because yeah, you have to. That you're, would be fun. Yeah, you're putting like fun. 20 orders together at the same time. You have to multitask. So you, I think it does teach you that. Yeah. I burned the first six pancakes, but the next six are. It also well, teaches you how to cooked. walk carefully on grease because oh, every God, floor yeah. is greasy. <laughs> so. So true. <laughs> you you come home and you do not bring your shoes in the house. You leave them outside because they're just covered in grease. Ugh. Anyway, there were horror nights, though, being a cook, though, like when the grill's stuck and 50 eggs are, are trashed all at once. And then you get behind and orders like by about 200 and everybody's mad and leaving and it's all your fault because the grill's not working. That was fun nights, too. All right, that's it for today. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for sharing your memories. Hope you br- we brought you a little bit down memory lane. <laughs> All right, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. Okay, boys and girls, we're done here. Now go ride your horse.